Good evening. Um, it's good to see you all here today. My name is Drew Johnson. I'm an assistant pastor here at Calvary Spokane, and I'm privileged to cover for Ken as uh, him and Jamie are away celebrating the birth of a new grandson today. So, amen for that. Thank you, God. Um, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Starting in verse 10, if you guys would stand with me, we're going to read this. If you would like to stand, I know we just all sat down, but we're going to stand up again if you would like to. And if you're able, we're going to read uh, verses 10 through 13 together. And then we're going to pray. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we thank you and praise you for your word uh, that you've spoken to us, God, through these apostles here, through Peter here. We pray, God, that in this time you would speak to us by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that your word uh, would increase our faith, that we would be spurred on to love and good deeds. We praise you and thank you for your kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. So I was going through, just the other day, some of my old my clothes, not old clothes, I was going through some of my clothes, um, and I realized that my shirts are falling apart. Does anybody else have that problem? Any other guys, probably? The guys out there, yeah. My shirts are falling. I'm looking through them, and the, the, the collar, they're, they're frayed. They're falling apart. The, the hem down here uh, is ripped. Um, and they're just not looking too great. And I, I was looking at them, and the thought came to me. I realized that it's not just my shirts. It's not just my shirt that's falling apart. The thought came to me that everything that can be broken will be broken. And uh, we, all, we, we know that's true when we sit and think about that. Everything that can be broken will be broken. Um, so I know that my body eventually will break. I'll be, I'll be done with this body. We know that historically that happens to basically everybody, right? As the body breaks, there is a, a guy or two maybe, that got out of, this, out of this world unbroken. But my body is going to break one day. I know that about my house. Unfortunately, it breaks, <laughs> and I got to fix it. I know that about my car, um, and I just pray that God keeps it, keeps it going, right? Uh, but we know that. That's how this world works, that it's not just my shirts that are falling apart, and it's not just because I don't uh, put money in the clothing budget, which is true, but um, uh, it's everything that's like that. And there's a, there's a fragility to our human situation, there's a fragility to our human situation, and that starts, the, the Bible tells us, uh, in the beginning. It started in the beginning. When God made everything good, uh, something happened there. Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. We, we know that uh, Adam and Eve, uh, they took from the forbidden fruit, and God said to Adam, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. 
It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will, be, you will return. God formed us. In the beginning it said God, that God formed man from the dust. He used the materials of the earth, and He made man. And we know by looking at the human body that the materials are the same. There's silicon, there's oxygen, there's carbon. Same thing that's in the earth is in our bodies. But God formed us with His hands, and then He breathed life into man, causing us to live uprightly. We were laying on the ground, and He formed us, and He breathed life into us, and now we stand. We stand upright, created for the purpose of serving God, being fruitful, bringing order to creation, and glorifying God. And He told Adam, in essence, that if you disobey this command to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then I'll take away that that breath that I gave you, and you'll go from being upright to laying down six feet under, right? You'll go back to the earth. You'll go back to the ground from, from dust you are, uh, and to dust you will return. And um, so there, there was that one, that one command, and we know that Adam fell short, right? He fell, he fell through on, on his end of the, of the bargain, uh, and his offspring, all of us, have, uh, we haven't fallen far from the tree either. We haven't fallen far from the tree uh, either. We all, like Adam, uh, have sinned uh, and fallen short of the glory of God. So there's this curse, uh, this fragility of the human situation, uh, and it's had lasting effects. It's had lasting effects on man, but it's also had lasting effects on creation. In Romans 8, it says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. All creation, earth, plants, animals, even heavenly beings, those parts of creation are eagerly awaiting the end of this painful curse, right? Aren't we? (laughs) Those of us who have injuries, I've got a a sports injury in my shoulder and in my glutes and in my knee. They're everywhere, right? Um, And we all have different injuries. We all have different ailments. uh, But we're, we're waiting for that day when it's not going to be this painful anymore. But it's not just us, it's all creation. All creation. We see uh, destruction, we see death in the animal kingdom, uh, we see uh, terrible things occurring uh, amongst, our, amongst our world. And I see terrible things in my very yard. Um, I plant flowers and right next to it comes a weed. And the flower was there first, right? And I'm sure the flower is thinking in its head, if it had a head, right? Uh, Come on, weed, get your own place. I was here first, right? I was first in line. Get your own land. I remember I, I was driving through East St. Louis uh, one time, and uh, it's not a pretty neighborhood necessarily, but uh, I remember there was, uh, from the freeway, seeing abandoned buildings with trees uh, covering the roof, trees and shrubs growing all over the roof, and trees coming out of the broken windows, like the trees are living inside the house. It was weird. Um, that was once a proud building, uh, a solid building people lived in, uh, eventually started falling apart. Uh, and that's, that's true of my t-shirts, it's true of creation in general. Uh, eventually the buildings, the things kind of all fall away. And the only way we can keep something, say something in my heart or in my house or something in my yard from falling apart is by putting energy into it. Right, we've got to put energy into the system, uh, and then that sustains it. But what can be done with a universe that's falling apart? Right? Uh, the law of entropy 
and such. A system, the, the current order of life, which is eventually doomed to what is called the heat death of the universe, where uh, in any reaction, it, we, you lose energy. So eventually, you're going to run out of the usefulness of energy in the universe, and what do you do? There. Uh, so the fall of man uh, and its res- resulting fragility uh, and death for mankind has, has really extended to all of creation. So this reality that my shirt is falling apart uh, is part of a greater reality. But it can lead to two different perspectives on life, uh, which are strikingly opposed to each other. One is a worldly uh, perspective or a worldly reaction, and one is a heavenly reaction uh, to this fragility of man. So the worldly reaction is sort of a misplaced hope. The worldly reaction uh, disregards God and says uh, that the world is all we have, so live it up. We're here. Might as well live it up. Everything has gone on as it has from the beginning. We came from nothing. We're going to nothing. And eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Right? This world is all we got, so as, as long as you're here, you might as well live it up. Some people think that perhaps uh, in, in order to live it up, if you do good to other people, then your life might turn out better. Uh, some people think uh, it's, it's better if you just live for yourself and neglect the needs of other people. But objectively, if we all come from nothing and going to nothing, it is irrelevant uh, the, the reason you live for things. You might as well subjectively choose the life that you think is right for you to find your own happiness. Everybody do what is right in your own eyes, right? Like in the days of Judges. But I think if you do this, you miscalculate something. Uh, You think that you might eat, drink, and be merry, uh, for tomorrow we die, but this world is failing, right? If this world is failing, then in general, on the whole, if the universe is subject to falling apart, then it's going to end up failing you too. Uh, You might eat, you might drink, but in the end, I'm not so sure if you will find that you are merry. This world fails to please, and this is something I've been reading in Ecclesiastes today uh, that Solomon spoke of. Solomon had, it, Solomon had it all. You remember he was David's son. He was a king and incredibly wealthy and incredibly wise, and he was a guy who had it all. Uh, and he said, I've, I tried all sorts of things. He tried comedy. He tried laughter. He tried uh, drinking, uh, finding joy in wine, being a hero of wine. He tried building projects. He tried uh, building gardens and vineyards. He, applied, he tried uh, hiring servants and employees and seeing them prosper. He tried uh, creating businesses. He tried hoarding wealth and amassing treasures. He tried uh, hiring good musicians and entertainment and even uh, sexual promiscuity, having a harem, all the delights of men. Uh, but he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, uh, we know that the whole creation uh, has been groaning. All of creation has been groaning, and uh, that this world fails to please. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 22 through 23 says, What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. And he says, This too is meaningless. Um, so he, he tried all these different projects. He tried living a life of pleasure. He tried looking for, uh, looking for, 
meaning in his work, uh, but he felt as if when he worked, other people ended up getting the things that he worked for at the end of his days. He thought that was meaningless as well. Um, if work wasn't good, he tried amassing loads of money, and he said in, in, in chapter 5 that whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? They sleep. Uh, the sleep of a uh, labor is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. So even the gaining of money and wealth is, uh, was meaningless to him. He tried it all. So the world system says, eat, drink, and be merry. Uh, but he, he tried it all and found it meaningless. Um, the world says uh, that it, it goes on, the, that things will go on as they always have. Second uh, Peter chapter 3 says, they will say, where is this coming he promised? That is the coming of the Lord, the coming of Jesus. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Um, yet there is always this haunting suspicion that what if you're wrong, right? Um, after you eat, drink, and have merry, you go home, uh, you're walking into your home in the dark of night, in the solitude, uh, on long and lonely drives after the TV program is ended, uh, after your song and music album is over, uh, after the big game has finished, uh, when the anchorman signs off. Maybe there is more that this, than this world has to offer. Uh, thus comes in, I think, the heavenly perspective that Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says that God has placed uh, set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So God, uh, so, so there is a worldly perspective um, that if this is all there is, uh, if, if eventually the universe is winding up, if all I do uh, seems to fall apart, then I might as well seek out happiness. And that's a worldly perspective. But then there is a heavenly perspective that says even though this world is winding up, that even though my shirts are falling apart, even though things are broken, there is something that happens after this world is done, and that is eternity. Revelations 21.4, Jesus says the old order of things will pass away. That there will come a day, a dramatic day, a drastic day, when the, a shift will take place, when the universe and all its vast array will be rolled up like a scroll and discarded. And the Word of God refers to that day as the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. Second Peter chapter 3, Isaiah 34, Revelation chapter 6 all refer to the same thing. The collapse, the falling apart, the rolling away of this world and its heavens. And the sun, the moon, the stars, heavens, the earth, man, animal, plant life, rocks and dirt uh, reserved for fire and that cannot be withstood. Um, it, cannot, it cannot be withstood. If we're, I mean, we think we're kind of powerless against the, lesser, the lesser forces, powerless against earthquakes as man, I'm powerless against hurricanes, I'm powerless against tsunamis, how much more so on the day of judgment? How much more so on the day of judgment? And you might think, really, Is, can God actually do that? You know, He's going to destroy the world by fire. Um, but we fail sometimes to forget that God created everything just by His Word. He opened His mouth and said, let there be, 
and there was. He opened his mouth, said, let there be, and there was. Um, the point is that everything that can be broken will be broken. But there are some things that cannot be broken. There are some things that are eternal. There are some things that will last. And this goes back to the promise of God. So this world uh, and its, its desires are, are passing away. The old order of things are passing away. Um, but there is a new order. Uh, there is uh, a promise that we have. Remember our Lord Jesus Christ. He clothed himself in human, fle- in human flesh. He clothed himself in a shirt that was falling apart. But his bo- and his body was broken, and his blood was poured out on the cross. And then he was buried in a tomb. He was dead. Uh, I took after Adam in that sort of sense. But he was a spiritual man. He was a man from heaven. And his spirit could not be broken. And our Father would not let his Holy One see decay. So on the third day, our Lord Jesus was raised to life, and he was the first to be given a resurrection body. That is not a resuscitated body, somebody who passed out, somebody who blacked out, somebody who was zapped uh, with a defibrillator and brought back to life. Uh, No, this is a resurrection body. This is a body that's not susceptible to death and decay. The promise of God uh, from the beginning is fulfilled in our Lord. The promise of God. See, in in, uh, Genesis chapter 3, God promised uh, Eve that he would give her an offspring that would crush the work of Satan, that brought death and sin into this world. And uh, he said it would be your offspring, singular, to Eve, a woman, so the, the offspring of Eve, uh, which is fulfilled in the virgin birth. So Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, so he was the offspring of Eve, in a sense. His father was God himself. But he was given uh, the resurrection body, uh, that promise, that, that, that body that will not decay. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 42 through 44 says, uh, So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, but it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. But we long for that. We don't have that yet. So right now we're still in a place where we have these bodies that are subject to falling apart, right? We have these bodies that are subject to breaking. But we long for the resurrection body. We, we eagerly await the resurrection body. I want that. I want that. And I have the Spirit of God living in me. Uh, I have that seal that that's going to happen eventually, but I don't have it yet. And our brothers uh, and sisters throughout history have yet to be resurrected. I mean, we long for that immortality, and it's a promise of God that we rely upon. That same promise that God came through when he provided Jesus is the promise that we look to uh, for the resurrection. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, 
who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So we have an earthly body right now that is breakable, and it will be broken, but we have been promised a resurrection body that will not be. And this is one of my great hopes, the resurrection, a body that's not subject to decay, just like Jesus' body right now. Um, So that's something that cannot be broken, the resurrection body. Another thing that cannot be broken is the place that God is preparing for us. uh, We await a body that can't be broken, but I await a house that cannot be broken as well. I'm always fixing stuff at my house. Is anybody else fixing stuff at their house all the time, right? It's like, I just fixed that sink. What happened? And I admit, I'm no great craftsman, so that may be uh, part of that. But even a great, a great craftsman, things will fall apart. You know, there's, there's, a, sh- there's a shelf life on, on a fence, you know, 25 years or so. Uh, there's a shelf life on, uh, on plastic joints and whatnot. I'm a pretty cruddy craftsman, but it is true that uh, the things, houses built by the hands of men fall apart in time. Uh, but John chapter 14 says, uh, Jesus is telling us here, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So we look forward to a, a city, a building, a home, not built by human hands subject to decay, but built by the hands of God. And this is something that cannot be broken. The promise of God in Christ Jesus is not just a body or a new home either. It's a new heaven and a new earth as well. An entire universe, a place where nothing is subject to decay or death, a shirt that never falls apart a place that cannot be broken. Revelation chapter 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will Uh, will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Not too hard for God. Reminds me, um, in my Bible reading, I'm trying to finish up Ezekiel. I just got through the part where they're measuring the temple, which is just grueling uh, and invigorating reading at the same time. It's this many rods high and this many rods wide. And then I went over here and it was this many rods high and this many rods wide. But before that was Ezekiel uh, was speaking of the valley of dry bones, right? And he said, I looked out and I saw a valley of dry bones. Uh, not, just, not just bones, but they were, they were dry bones. They were very dry bones, he said. And they weren't just dead, they were very dead, uh, full of, of bones. And, and the Lord turned to him and said, uh, can these bones live? <laughs> Ezekiel goes, you know, I don't know. You're the sovereign Lord, you tell me. <laughs> you could do it if you want them to live. And so, uh, so God tells him, prophesy, prophesy to the bones, uh, prophesy to the breath. Uh, and, then, and, 
And so Ezekiel obeyed, and God started putting flesh and tendons and started bringing these bones to life. And this is a picture uh, of when God would bring Israel back into the land, but it's also a picture of when Jesus says, I will make everything new. Uh, What has been broken, what is falling apart, uh, will be made new. Everything will be made new. There will be no more death. And this is not too hard for the Lord, the Lord who who spoke everything into being, uh, the Lord who uh, the the Lord who spoke the universe into being. It's not too hard for Him. If I um, am able to build something up and tear it down with my hands, then God, is, who is able to build the universe, can tear it down Himself as well. I don't think it's too hard for Him. So we talked a little bit briefly about uh, the the curse, the fragility of man in creation. Uh, we talked about a worldly perspective. We talked about a heavenly perspective briefly. And we talked, talked about the promise of God uh, to provide things that cannot be broken. Um, so, so we have this promise from God. We know that everything will be broken. We know that everything that can be broken will be. Uh, we know that the heavens will be rolled up, that they will be destroyed by fire, uh, that there will be a a new heaven and a new earth following that. But in the meantime, we're not quite there yet, right? We're not quite there yet. So, so why? So, so what, are we, what are we talking about here? Why is Peter writing to us? And he gives us the reason why he's writing. In chapter 3, at the very beginning, he says, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. So this is nothing new, obviously. Uh, as a Christian, uh, this is one of the first things you learn uh, is the new heaven and new earth and the resurrection body. But we need that reminder. We need that stimulant, right? Um, because uh, we get sidetracked so easily, I think. Uh, we're like, if you guys have seen the movie Up, right, with the dog, he starts talking, and then he's like, squirrel, right? Uh, we're kind of like that in life. Uh, we, we know what the Lord has told us, we know what we're supposed to be doing, and then all of a sudden we're off this way because a squirrel came, right? Um, or something maybe more important, uh, maybe there's an illness, maybe there's an injury, maybe there's a job loss, maybe there's a relationship issue, but we get sidetracked. And so we need to get a little shock here and there from the Lord so we can course correct according to his plan. Uh, I like how he he uses the word stimulate. Uh, I think of the word, when I hear stimulate, I I, I think of the word to be shocked. Um, And so I I don't know if if you guys are are walking around, say you're walking through a hallway and you come up to a door and you're thinking whatever thoughts you're thinking and you touch a doorknob and it shocks you, all your attention goes goes to that right there, right? You forget what you're thinking about, and you go, and you're reminded uh, of the door, and, and you're being shocked, and, you, and your train of thinking is changed. Well, this is what Peter is trying to tell us. Sometimes we get in the, the dull drums of everyday life, uh, and we forget that one day, this earth, this world, will pass away. And I wonder, for some of us, if that ruins our plans right? If the Lord came back, would that ruin all of your plans? You're like, Lord, don't come back yet because I, 
I'm, I'm, why, I want this one thing, you know, is, is, the, is the promise that Jesus has a good thing for us, or is it a bad thing? So, um, so we need that course correct, and, and we need that course correct uh, so that we might live holy and godly lives, right? Uh, so we might think correctly and then act from there. We've been forgiven by Jesus, we've been filled with His Spirit, uh, and we can live accordingly. But we need to be stimulated back into a wholesome way of thinking, because there are unwholesome ways of thinking. There are unwholesome ways of, of thinking about the world and its passing, because some people might think, well, if the world is passing, then why does it matter the way I live? If I've already been forgiven by God and the world is passing away, it's all going to burn anyways. And so a person uh, claims to follow Christ and then carelessly lives contrary to the desires of the Lord in disobedience, using God's grace as a license to sin and the reality that things are, the world is passing away uh, as a cover for that. Uh, but that is the opposite of what Peter is asking of us here. He wants to remind us of the end goal, of the end game, because he wants us to think wholesomely and to live godly. Our behavior comes from our character, and our character ought to be transformed by God into the character of Christ. So we look at Christ, we see the way he lived, and we desire and ask God and pray fervently uh, to be like him. So we desire to be transformed into his image, to look like him. We desire to bring his attributes, uh, a God who is healing, a God who is merciful, a God who is gracious, a God who is loving and patient, a God who is holy and righteous, a God who is forgiving and gentle, uh, and a God who brings good news. We desire to bring these attributes into a broken world. And we must remember that our sin put Jesus on the cross and ought to be something that we disdain. So we ought to have wholesome thinking. We need to be reminded that our work, our behavior, our hearts actually matter and actually have an impact in the life to come. Though everything that can be broken will be broken, there are some things that last forever, namely our position with God through Christ. So, um, and there's also an, there's another unwholesome way of thinking that goes uh, well, I think I can get away with it. It's okay for me to do this. I'll get away with it, and it won't, it won't matter that much. Um, I never get away with it, <laughs> and you can't actually get away with it. And if you always get away with everything, then you might not belong to God because <laughs> he disciplines his children, right? He, always, he, doesn't, he never lets me get away with anything. He always disciplines me. So uh, we ought to be stimulated to wholesome thinking, and we ought to live expectantly. Uh, we ought to be, a, what kind of people ought you to be? Holy, godly, spotless, blameless, and at peace with God. Uh, so do, I, I have to think, uh, do I long for the day of the Lord? Do I live in an expectation that Jesus is coming back? Uh, am, I, am I longing for that? Am I waiting for that? Um, or if Jesus comes, would he just ruin my plans, and would I be disappointed? If Jesus came, would I be embarrassed with the, the manner in which I'm living my life? and the choices I'm making. Would Jesus ruin my plans? Would I be embarrassed? Uh, some people don't want to live holy lives, uh, but they still want God's blessing. So they find, uh, they, they look at the Word of God, uh, and they find people to come alongside them to manipulate Scripture uh, and distort the Word of God 
to say what their itching ears want to hear. They don't live expectantly. They don't desire to be holy and godly. Uh, they desire to live their own way uh, and manipulate God's word to make them seem or feel holy. Um, and I call it doing jujitsu or ninja uh, to a passage. Uh, and sometimes I do it myself. Uh, if I don't like what God says, if it's too convicting, uh, there, my, my nature, my base flesh, uh, tries to flip the passage this way and that way to say, oh, that's not really what the passage says. It says the opposite of that somehow, right? And we know that people try to do that. But what I need in that moment is I, I need the Holy Spirit uh, or another brother or sister to tell me, Drew, you're trying to do jujitsu on this passage right now. Um, and it's a form of idolatry. It's a form of trying to make God uh, do the, what I want. Uh, it's to make a God in my own image, right? Uh, in that moment, I must be conformed to the Word of God. The Word of God must not conform to me. Uh, we want to be also a people who are at peace with God. Uh, to, to be a people who are at peace with God. Uh, I want to know, okay, you know, if God, if Jesus comes back uh, for me right now, I want to not be embarrassed, right? I want to know I'm doing the right thing. Uh, I want to be at peace with God. I don't want to be surprised when He comes back. Uh, living, I want to be living according to His Word, because uh, at the end of the end of the day, uh, whether He comes back now or comes back after my after my already passed away, uh, He's going to be the guy I answer to with my life. He's going to be the guy I have to explain things to. And I want to be somebody who looks forward to that day, um, who, who looks at that day with, with joy uh, and anticipation, not somebody who looks at that day with fear. Uh, and Peter uh, even says uh, we get to play a part uh, in speeding up the process as, as we look forward uh, and speed the coming of the day of the Lord. Uh, we speed up that process as we pray, as we live holy, godly lives, and as we spread the gospel. So I want us to, uh, I want us to be a people who live in that eager anticipation of the coming of Christ. I, I want to be a people who look forward to the resurrection body, not just looking forward to nourishing my body, not looking forward to finding nice clothes for my body, uh, or doing things just in this world. I want to look forward to the resurrection body. I want to look forward not just at this life uh, in five to ten years down the road. I want to look forward to life 150 years down the road, um, because in 150 years I'm going to be in eternity, uh, and I'm going to be there much, much longer than I'm going to be in this tent in this body. I want to look forward to uh, and live for something uh, that cannot be broken. So uh, perhaps the next time uh, you are going through your laundry, perhaps the next time you have to wash your car, you're fixing something in your house, uh, you're, you might be reminded that everything breaks. Uh, and, and I don't want you to be led into a, a futility uh, a way of thinking that is futile, a way of thinking that is discouraged, but I want you to, to live with that expectation of uh, everything might be breaking now, but I look forward to something that cannot be broken. I look forward to the resurrection. I look forward to a home built by the hands of God himself, a much better craftsman than me. I look forward uh, to a new heaven and a new earth uh, free of all the war and the pain in the morning. I look forward to being uh, at peace with God for eternity. I want us to be those kind of people. 
So we ought to live expectantly, holy, godless lives, godly lives, spotless, blameless, at peace with God. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your kindness to us. We thank you, Lord, that uh, we have this promise, this hope uh, for a future with you, God. Uh, I thank you, God, that you uh, love us enough to tell us straight uh, what's going uh, to happen, that we aren't led into a futility of thinking, thinking that things are going to go on as they always have been forever, um, but we know that there is a day when things end. Uh, there is a fixed point in the future. We don't know what that day is, Lord, but we thank you, God, that there is that day uh, that, Jesus, you are going to make all things new, and I'm very excited for that, and it fills me with joy. And we pray, God, that we would be a holy people, that we would be a people living at peace with you, that we would be a people who, when you come, it would make our day and not ruin our day, Lord. Uh, we pray, Lord, all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.